When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. the PHNX Cardinals podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. They have a week five offer every football fan should jump on. New customers that use the code PHNX to sign up can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. The last 0-0 tie in the NFL was back in 1943, so I would say this one is a no-brainer. Johnny, Derek, guys, how's it going? Derek, I love the setup you got going on there. Thank you. Thank you. I am a big child, so of course I have my video games and all my toys behind me. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's I, uh, better than being in Shane's actual childhood bedroom when we do the bet show. Okay. Okay. And we That's can see some of his junior high and high school trophies. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I I put this together as an adult. That's a man's so. room. That's, That's a, a man's room. room. It's a man's room. Yeah. That's right. Wait a second. Okay, so Shane does it. So he still lives at home then, and he does it from like. Yes, so I'm not trying to out him. Funny. I mean, he's out of that himself. Is funny. No, that's yeah. Fine. He'll bring on his trophies and like show us his trophies and his medals and his <laughs> twin bed and all that good stuff. Never change, Shane. I, I mean, love I, that. I, I appreciate uh, that. All right. Well, a lot of good stuff came out of today's Cardinals media availability. There was one bite that fans seem to resonate with the most. So I'll go ahead and play it for you guys, and we'll start there. I mean, I'm used to winning. Like, that's just that's what it is. I, I, this is not a new feeling for me. Um, it, it feels right. You know, it feels normal. Um, and to be back, you know, in a position where we we go into each and every game confident that we will come out victorious, I mean, it's a, it's a great feeling for sure. Kyler Murray is used to winning. Cardinals off to a 4-0 start, and he is not shy about the fact that, yeah, he has a history of being a winner. First of all, can I, can I wear my hat like Kyler does, like this? Do I look the same? Uh, Johnny, you no, look fantastic. You I okay. want to say no. You're not as cool as Kyler, but I am not. I mean, you we do can pull all it do off, it. though. Yeah, let's, let's rock it. Yeah. I'm like, oh, he's got a black hat on just like we do. Can't see the DraftKings logo, but – <laughs> It is what it is. Yeah. No, yeah. none of us look as cool as Kyler, but we're, we're trying. We would like to emulate him in every way possible. And, and the Cardinals are emulating his winning mentality. I think if you remember at the end of last year, how dejected he was because he's like not lose, used to losing. He didn't lose a high school game as a starter. He started since his sophomore year in uh, Texas high school football. A lot of people consider him the greatest Texas quarterback or high school quarterback of all time. And then he went to Oklahoma and lost two games and route to Heisman Trophy and the um, not the BCS, but the college football Final Four. And he comes to Arizona, and he loses a lot of games in his first two years. And not only that, the way they finished last year down the stretch, right, going I think like two and six down the yeah. stretch in the second half of the season, simply being outclassed in their own division. And I'm sure Kyler went into a lot of those games, which is like we're better than these teams. <clears throat> we have better personnel. I'm better than the opposing quarterback. And yet, for whatever reason, we consistently come in on the wrong side at the end of the game. And so it's just, it's something he's used to. And to change a culture as a number one overall pick, I've consistently said it's very different than what Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes had to endure. They went into winning franchises with winning head coaches, both of whom had been to Super Bowls before. Kyler Murray was drafted, and we love our Cardinals, in chaos and dysfunction. They had a new head coach. They had a GM on the hot seat. 
So he's had to lift this franchise up, and hopefully now a lot of these young players, the Chase Edmonds, the Rondell Moores, the Byron Murphys of the world, emulate his winning mentality. Not to mention the fact that he also was replacing a quarterback that the Cardinals had just drafted, and that wasn't Mm -hmm. adding anything positive to the situation because there was a lot of doubt and there was a lot of questioning if they should waste that you know go go with this guy after and basically waste their pick of Josh Rosen and obviously it turns out to be a very smart move as an Arizona sports fan I cannot relate to this mentality that Kyler Murray has of nothing but winning especially covering the Arizona Diamondbacks as my main gig I will say that I understand where he's coming from though I can I can see how somebody like him who has been as talented as he is has influenced the teams that he's been on his entire career he at times has been you know this electric player ever since he was a kid and probably has been the driving force behind most of his teams having success and winning now at the nfl level it takes the personnel and what we've seen that's changed over the last two years is the personnel that they've put around him, especially this season. It, it I've talked about it a couple of times on the other shows, but even Matt Prater and what he brings to this team and his ability to consistently hit field goals at the distance that he does has yeah. changed the complexity of this team. The ability to just put up three points here, there, there when drives are stopped is completely different than what they, you know, where they were at the last two seasons. Yeah. I remember Kyler, like visible, like you could tell how just ticked off and like ticked off was like an understatement with some of the, with some of the results of, of the games last year, he had had enough. And so, you know, that's just his, his personality. He hates losing probably more than he hates winning. He's that kind of guy. And um, it feels good to see him, you know, lighten up and, you know, be, be a little more confident and, and the entire team to be confident around him too. And, you know, I, I feel like you can't talk about Kyler with success and the way that he has improved and changed and grown as a human being and a professional without, you know, putting Cliff in that same breath. And I thought it was interesting. I don't have the clip, but Isaiah Simmons said today that, um, you know, basically, you know, when, and, and it's we know because er, the Urban Meyer stuff's going on too. Yeah. You know when a locker room respects and is bought in on their coach and is bought in on their scheme and what they're doing. And he said, you can just tell, you know, we're all in on Cliff. And I don't know if that was the case in year one. Well, I, I will give Kingsbury immense credit. I've said consistently, even if this year hadn't gotten off to the strong start it had and they had to make a change. No, God forbid, at the end of the season, that he has not been a failure of a head coach. Their first year, they were very competitive, especially as opposed to what we saw in 2018, unfortunately, with Steve Wilkes and company. And you could argue a lot of that was Kyler Murray. But I think, you know, his game plans have gotten consistently better. We've saw that culmination process, you know, take over on Sunday, beating his friend and mentor, Sean McVay, in the process. So I just think that there's a misconception with this guy from a national perspective a national narrative that it's a party guy he's always got his shirt off he's with you know beautiful people his shirt and, off? And, yeah because he's oh, at yeah. you know poolside you know oh, yeah. scottsdale paradise valley oh, i'm missing those photos like, i've never seen I'm a photo done. of cliff with the shirt off she's looked okay, well, i have to pull photos no i've never <laughs> found them that. very easily apparently they're out there they are and so i that's public perception what it in is. reality is the son of a, a military man uh, he's grinded at the collegiate level. Sean, he would, he, one of two things was going to happen if he had not joined the Cardinals. He was lined up to be USC's offensive coordinator and likely would have been their next head coach, or he would have been Sean McVay's, you know, quarterback coach and eventually gotten an OC job. And when the Cardinals opted to hire him, they were hedging their bets. And right now, that looks like a pretty wise investment. So I, I totally agree with you, Cheerson, especially what we what we see from him at press conferences how relaxed he is. He feels comfortable with who he is and his game plan and his players because he knows that his players have his back. You know, sometimes we, we don't allow, just like with players, coaches to grow into, you know, who they're going to become. Yeah, He was not a finished product, just like Kyler Murray was in year one. 
But unfairly in the NFC West, when you're coaching against the likes of Pete Carroll and Sean McVay and to a lesser extent Kyle Shanahan, people rush to judgment and he was an easy target. And now I just I think he's just more sure of himself and that's a good place to be for Cliff. I find it interesting with football historically that young coaches have always been the ones to change the game and be successful. And it's the it's that ability to adapt and grow in their process instead of being stuck in their ways if you're a, a more seasoned coach, right? I think with Kingsbury, he gets that uh, he, he doesn't get that credit for growing with this team. People still think of him as being a college coach. They think of the air raid offense, and that has not been what this team has been about. No. One thing I've been completely amazed by, especially in, in this win against the Rams, uh, and I, I brought this up on the postgame show, was it wasn't a crazy offense. It was kind of a more conventional offense. I mean, I know Kyler ran at times. I know there there were some, you know, some I, long downfield plays, but nothing that like was a trick play or anything like that. They have grown to just be a, a well-coached team that really – has a a diverse scheme, you know, when it when it comes to play calling. To your point, Derek, can we just admit they just have better players now, and so they're better suited to to his scheme and to score that, points. They when, were a top ten offense last year, but because of how they finished, people were like, "This is a gimmick offense. It's a joke." I just think he just was waiting for them to add a Rondell Moore and an AJ Green and some better protection up front with Rodney Hudson. So yeah, God right. forbid a guy improves when you give him better players. Right. As opposed to year one to, to now, they've gotten better every year in every facet. And we've I will shown. Say this. We've... I don't think that it was unfair. Any sort of um, initial reaction to the Cliff Kingsbury hire, I, I think it was fair because you see that in any industry. I mean, sure. I, I felt that way when they said Derek was joining PH, and no, I'm kidding. <laughs> How <laughs> dare you? Who the hell is this guy? <laughs> now he's on our show. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to call myself the mayor over here soon enough. It's going to be really ugly. And it, uh, it is what it no, is. but you get that in, in any field. If somebody were to come in uh, that didn't have experience at a certain level um, and was given an opportunity that people, I mean, a very small percent of coaches make it to the National Football League and become an actual head coach. And so, you know, the amount of people who work their butts off their entire careers and don't even come close to having that kind of opportunity. And then all of a sudden this guy, we all know his story. I don't need to repeat it, but, you know, getting fired and you know, whatever. And now he lands as, as a head coach in the NFL. I mean, anything that initially came, it was it was up to Cliff to allow his coaching and the results to speak for themselves. But he was going to get that no matter what. Yeah, I agree. And you know what? It's it's looking like a pretty wise move by Michael Bidwell and company. Right now, he's got a better winning percentage than the coach he's going to face this Sunday in Kyle Shanahan. I mean, who would have thought through two and a half, you know, not almost two and a half seasons that he would be considered in that same realm as Kyle Shanahan, who's having, by the way, not a great start to his fifth year in the NFL. All right, so let's move on. Another storyline uh, heading into this season and then through the first four weeks has been Zayvon Collins. Initially, we all thought that he was he was the guy. He was the Mike Backer. We weren't really going to see Jordan Hicks. Jordan Hicks didn't have the opportunity to fight for the starting job, uh, and that hasn't been the case. So Isaiah Simmons, you know, he was in a somewhat similar position last year where he was drafted and was, you know, not really getting playing time like he wanted to. And so um, here's what he had to say about, um, you know, what his conversations like have, have been like with, uh, with Zabin. He played like the whole. I mean, I talk to him every week just to know, just, I just want to see where his headspace is at. Uh, just because I know how it feels to be in that position. Um, I told him last year, you know, like just as far as you've gone along, you played a lot more than I played up to this point, you know, so don't, don't get down on yourself. Don't, don't think that it's not that the coaches don't believe in you, not that we don't believe in you. Um, you know, just just some way. Sometimes that's just how the cards fall. Um, just with certain packages we're running with their personnel. Uh, it's nothing personal against us not thinking he can get the job done or somebody else could do it better than him. Um, sometimes, I mean, we can't control what personnel other teams run. So um, sometimes things just happen like that. But, you know, it's a, it's a week-to-week thing. Um, you know, just... 
I know his snap count was down a little bit, but you know this week it could be completely different to where he plays the whole game. Um, everything's just a week to week thing. So my first reaction to that is, you know, you've got a guy like Jordan Hicks who has been praised heavily for the way that he uh, not only handled the entire situation, but has has also poured into Zayvon. You've got a guy like Isaiah who's still young and very relatable in terms of like he's still trying to figure out the league and just now finding su- true success uh, in his second year. Um, Zayvon Collins has a lot of guys that are fantastic mentors to help him not only, you know, learn the game, but deal with the other stuff that comes along with being in the National Football League. Well, I I, I can appreciate that. I'm going to just give my opinion, which I think is, is Vance Joseph got cold feet. I think that with that position, he is very protective of that. You're calling the defense. He got cold feet last year. He pulled Isaiah Simmons too early. Here you've got Zayvon Collins, who's a, a much more finished product than Isaiah Simmons was, started the entire offseason. Week one, he was told on that Monday before, Jordan Hicks is the starter. Even though you watch the graphics on Fox NFL Sunday, it still shows Zayvon Collins as the starter. <laughs> so I, I just think at the end of the day, he'll play Marco Wilson as a rookie. He'll play Byron Murphy as a rookie. He'll play the two fourth-round defensive tackles last year as rookies. Cliff's playing Rondell Moore. Kyler Murray started. They, they are not against starting rookie players on either side of the ball. But there's something with Vance, with that inside linebacker who calls the defense. It's, it's, it's pearl clutching a little bit where he just can't give that up. And he will not allow, based on where Zayvon or Isaiah was, to, to work through their mistakes. Where I will say he, he's getting a pass, they're winning, and the defense right now is ninth in total points allowed. I think that if they were struggling, a la, like the beginning of last year, defensively, I think there'd be more heat. But right now it's stabilized and the defense is playing well, so there's not a lot of noise about it. Do you think that's a reflection more of his inability to know all of the defensive schemes and be able to call them or just identify what the offense is doing and make a decision on field? about? Historically, inside linebacker is one of the easiest positions to translate to in the NFL. Now, that does not mean that you do not have a couple weeks to begin your NFL career early in the season with some hiccups, with some rookie growing pains. The problem with Vance is he does now not allow that to happen, even if it means risking subpar play with somebody who's who's less athletic right now in Jordan Hicks. He would rather stabilize it and minimize the mistakes. What you're going to get with, with Zavin, just like Isaiah, you may give up a big play, but then the next series they may force a fumble or intercept a pass because their athletic ability is, is on par with that. But sure. Jordan's done that at the beginning of the season too, so I can't rip him. Okay, does, so does, what's then the dynamic like in maybe maybe Steve Kime has like zero ego with it? I don't know, but let's just say what you're what you're saying, Johnny, is is accurate. How is that conversation going with Steve Kime, who says who now says, "Listen, I already named on draft day. Zayvon Collins, the starter. He's our guy. He's who I want. Who's he's who I wanted. He looked great in the preseason. And now we're going back on all of this. I think he's ready. How are the, how is that even conversation happening? I have no idea. He must have some clout in the organization to be able to, to say that. Now, Steve Kime recruited Vance Joseph to be the defensive coordinator. He and Cliff had no pre-existing relationship. So Steve and Vance must be on, on even footing. And, and see eye to eye on this. Um, I do think Zavin's going to play more. Uh, let me say that. But, I mean, you watch the week one performance the defense had against Derrick Henry. I'm sure that bought him some time. They suffered a setback against Dalvin Cook. But then I thought rebounded nicely the last two weeks. So, you know, I, I think I will agree with Isaiah to some extent that certain packages might dictate it. But I'm going to tell you right now, like, there's no better time to, than to play him on Sunday, given what the Niners want to do and ram the football down your throat. But what we also saw last year, Kyle Shanahan manipulate Isaiah Simmons game one and expose him, and there was a quick hook. So people who think we're going to see Zayvon Collins this Sunday, I, I, it's not going to happen. I would think, just like with Simmons last year, as the season goes on, he's going to play 30 40% of the snaps. He will not be a full-time starter as long as Jordan Hicks is healthy until 2022. I have – Zero problem with that. Zero problem with that. And because I, I also, if you want to just compare the situation to the Isaiah Simmons situation, I think 
I don't look at Isaiah Simmons and think, man, if only he had played a little more last year. I mean, I think he developed nicely regardless. And obviously he got burned early in the season in Vance. You know, I, John, we, Johnny, you and I see differently, I think, in terms of like what Vance is doing in this situation. Um, but I mean, I, I, I gotta go with, I have a little more trust in just believing what he says in these situations. And, you know, what he was saying all of last year was he's just not ready. And so I believe that if, you know, Isaiah had been ready or if Zayvon is ready at this moment to be put in that position, uh, and he's the best guy to be put in that position at this moment, that he would be out there. So that's just my personal opinion. Obviously, I have no other, you know, information or people whispering in my ear, but that's my thought. I think Jordan looks better than he did last year. Uh, and so they're in good shape right now. They've certainly got depth at the position for the first time in a while. I think what was frustrating last year is Jordan did not look good. And you had this unicorn sitting on the bench that the team pubbed up. And when he played, he looked good. Got interceptions, yeah. forced fumbles, sacked the quarterback. It's it's much less frustrating this year. So absolutely, they want to take their time. They're pushing all the right buttons right now. I have no problem with it. And I, I also I will- think that the success of this team right now makes it a little bit harder, right, for them to move on because right now it's kind of if it's not broke, don't fix it. And if they're finding success right now with Hicks, I think it if they continue to have success, it's going to make it that much harder for Collins to get that playing time. Well, a, a some news around the league. Cornerback uh, Stephon Gilmore heading to the Panthers. And, Johnny, you feel like there's a, a clear reason why the Cardinals didn't go after him. And a lot of that just has to do with the faith that they have and what they have right now. Yeah, I mean, I got pushed back. I posted something on Twitter today because they're they're excited about the development. They're two young corners and Marco Wilson and Byron Murphy. And Robert Alford is knock on wood, healthy at the recording of this podcast. But you could always have depth. But Stefan Gilmore is a free agent to be. He wants $15 million. Now he's going to Carolina. We'll see. Their secondary is in much more greater need of an established corner. Right now, I, I, I couldn't name two or three other corners that are playing better than Byron Murphy. So really, in the grand scheme of things, all that would be would be a depth signing. So while I wouldn't discredit them from potentially adding a corner down the line, I think it'll be a lesser name, especially after what we saw with Quentin Dunbar, who couldn't make it you know, a calendar month with this team. So people can't get hurt. Everybody's got to stay healthy. But you can also see that their two safeties are so ball savvy. Jalen Thompson and Buda Baker can both play corner in a pinch. It's not a perfect will, but then you could kick Simmons back to strong safety and you're in good shape. You've got a lot of interchangeable parts. So long story short, everybody loved that like hypothetical trades in the offseason. Stephon Gilmore to Arizona, Chandler Jones back to New England. Th- crazy stuff like that never transpired. And the dude got sent out of town for a six round pick next year. That probably tells you what kind of player he is right now. Last uh, bigger storyline to come out of practice today, offensive lineman Max Garcia, who stepped in, made his first start as a Cardinal on Sunday and really was important with the injuries that they've had on the offensive line. Uh, He was injured a couple of years ago and just hasn't really been the same player since. So making that start uh, was a huge deal to him. And he also talked about how he had tweeted out after the game, um, basically how he thought several times about just hanging it up and walking away from the game. And so he was asked about that today. And I thought his answer as to what kept him around and what uh, motivates him and how he kind of views his role now was really impressive. So here's what he had to say. Those thoughts really um, crept in um, uh, earlier uh, this year, uh, kind of like in January, February, I actually uh, had covid and um, like I was just like out of it. I didn't want to do anything. Um, every time I you know even thought about working out, I just like just didn't have any motivation to do it. Um, I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but you know I was just like, man, I don't I don't really want to. You know, I'm, I'm not sure if I want to continue playing. And I had talked to a lot of my friends about it, um, and uh, they're just like, man, if you know that's what you feel, you know, then you know you do that. Um, I always had. You know, I, I set a goal. I was like, man, if I could at least play six years in the league, like, uh, uh, like, let me do that. And I, you know, at that time, I was six years in. But um, you know, something something did change. Um, 
kind of, I kind of just, you know, I just set a new, I had a new mindset, you know, when I, especially when we came back, you know, for OTAs and I was here most of the time and I was training um, with Josh Miles and, and Josh Jones and, and I was just like, man, these like these young guys, they, they, they look up to me and I was like, man, I can continue to be, you know, a positive influence. I can still have an impact even if I'm not, you know, on the field. And that's kind of the approach that I've had these last, you know, three years uh, not playing is like, you know, I can still, you know, motivate. I can still uh, coach and I can still, you know, just, you know, be enthusiastic and, you know, just show people that you can love the game, even if you're, you know, you're not a star player. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what changed, you know, just like realizing, you know, my value. Give me like 10 more guys like Max Garcia, please. Yeah, that that guy went through a lot. And I mean, again, you do evaluate your life and you evaluate your health and all sorts of stuff in situations like that. It's just incredible to see, you know, that that kind of dedication and for someone to turn things around when it seemed so bleak, you know? Yeah, he he's a guy that, you know, I admire, was banged up last year, was banged up coming into camp. And now he's got an opportunity to stick on the offensive line, certainly as the sixth lineman. Yeah, and and the fact that he felt an obligation to set a good example and be a leader for the younger guys on the line, um, and you know, a guy like Josh Jones can certainly use it. Uh, I, I think that's amazing. I don't know how often you get that in, in football. Guys who are just like who show up and say, "All right, I'm not the same guy. I've been battling injuries. Um, you know, I'm not really playing." as much, but I see these other younger guys looking up to me, so I'm going to show up and I'm going to help them. I mean, come on. I love that. That's great. That's a great story. Yeah, that's, and, go ahead, Derek. Oh, I was just going to say, it's it's like you said, we don't, we don't see it enough. Uh, it's just such a big part of sports uh, in any sport, bringing on a guy that, that can uh, be willing to put himself a little bit or put the team, you know, before himself and especially, teach younger guys, but also end up being a valuable part of the team still. Right. I mean, he's, it's not like he hasn't been a big part of this line. It's just that, that willingness to come back and feel like you have an obligation to, you know, help the team and help, help younger players flourish. Totally agree. So, so I'm checking out the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now to make sure that I have the latest line on the Niners-Cardinals game. Uh, Cardinals are five-and-a-half-point favorites, which I think is reasonable, right, Johnny? Yeah, I, I think that's right where the line should be. Uh, this is a team that still has a lot of talent. Cardinals are playing better football. Niners, by all accounts, are going to start a rookie. Uh, and Kyle Shanahan came into this, this building – week 16 last year and, and beat him up with CJ Beathard. So uh, I would hope that they're prepared for really the Niners best effort. Cause if they lose, that's their third straight loss. And they're at the basement of this division when a lot of people thought they'd be the favorites. So I would say five and a half, six is, is pretty fair, especially when you consider Cardinals have consistently beat their opponents this year by double digits outside of Minnesota. And coincidentally, that was their only other home game. Just a reminder, uh, new customers that sign up for the DraftKings Sportsbook app can bet $1 on any NFL game, including the Cardinals game this weekend, and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. So pretty much a guarantee there. Uh, a great deal that DraftKings has going on right now. And as always, it's 21 and over, Arizona only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. New customers only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook. For details, And I want to tell you guys about our new promotion that we have going on, our new deal for members. Um, it is 20% off any of our PHNX shirts up on phnxlocker.com. You don't have to be a member to buy any of our awesome shirts, but members always get a weekly deal uh, discount on all the shirts that are up there and Johnny, we talk about it all the time. Members really do get the best access they to do. everything that we do here at PHNX. So go sign up, go phnx.com. All right. So, Johnny, you mentioned it, uh, the quarterback situation with the 49ers. Um, yeah. 
So it's gone. It's gone. A, we, we actually don't really know who is going to be the starting quarterback because Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, you know, made a comment about, you know, he was, he was going to be out. Uh, yeah. And then now it's maybe the injuries, maybe not as bad as they thought it was going to be. Yeah. I think, I still think we're going to see Trey Lance when Jim Garoppolo comes out and he's like, I'm going to be out a couple weeks. And then his coach is like, well, he might play this weekend. That tells me that they're trying to keep up the, any kind of competitive advantage that they can have. So the Cardinals aren't exclusively preparing for Trey Lance. But I mean, as much as I would love to see Jimmy G play in this game and throw multiple picks and be <laughs> in front of the Red Sea, I think it'll be Trey Lance and his first collegiate, not first start since his last collegiate start, which was like almost two years ago. Which yep. is crazy. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm sure they feel like they've got a little bit of a wild card. Tua came into the stadium last year in one of his first starts and embarrassed this defense. So people who think that this is a layup game, I, I just think that if you know what Kyle Shanahan wants to do, it's going to be gimmick, crap, boots, play action, RPOs. The Cardinals are like bottom half, bottom third in the NFL in the run defense. And that's what the Niners want to do. Now they're, they they got a bunch of spare parts at running back. The rookie's not ready. I mean, Kyle Shanahan's been adamant that, that Trey Lance is their number two. But I, I feel like they're going to come in this game and throw the kitchen sink at Mance Joseph, and they better be prepared because, again, outside of what's going on at quarterback, I mean, assuming Trent Williams plays, they've got a plus offensive line. They've got the leading receiver in the NFL right now in Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Trent Sherfield, who knows this offense well, that's now in San Francisco. To me, I just – the Cardinals, I do not think, will take this game for granted. But for the fan base that is overly confident, this is still a very capable Niner team. This is terrifying to me, Johnny. And it's only because the Cardinals have historically had problems with guys that have made their debut against them, especially 100%. when there's no That's tape fair. on them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I, I remember Jalen Hurts uh, killed us in, in one game. I just yeah. remember historically, like, even going back to Colin Kaepernick and such, right? So it's always been a thing that as a fan of watching this team, I'm always terrified of seeing uh, who they, uh, how they handle these young guys because they always seem to surprise them. It always seems like a game that you say, well, hey, the Cardinals defense should handle this young quarterback coming in and, and should embarrass him, and it ends up going the other way. I, I am worried about the run defense especially. I still don't really understand what's going on with this defensive line and, and the linebackers, it's not even just trickery. It's just at times, especially against the Rams, even though they held the Rams uh, on r- rushing yards, they were still just running it right, right down the middle and having way yeah. too much success at that, you know, getting eight, nine yards, you know, first downs on just runs, power runs up the middle. So I, I, I don't understand because it doesn't seem like this defensive line should <laughs> should be being overpowered like they are at times, you know? Yeah, they're just, they're average too many positions up front. And that's not a knock on Corey Peters and J.J. Watt and the guys that they've drafted. But, you know, we watch Kyler, Kyler Murray and, and Byron Murphy, 2019 first and second round picks flourish. The first pick of the third round that year was a player by the name of Zach Allen. And he was, uh, you know, All-American all defensive end, defensive tackle from Boston College. He's been very underwhelming. He has not been the player they thought. They've whiffed on free agent defensive lineman, a la Jordan Phillips, who we talk about all the time on this podcast because we don't know where the hell he is. They're paying J.J. Watt a lot of money. And to, to be fair, he is winning in his pass rush rate, but they're not clogging the hole. And right. typically it's easy to find defensive tackles that are good run defenders. The Cardinals just don't have any right now. So I, I think the logical decision is to at some point make a move, but you have to supplement it in the short term. To me, I think this is where you would benefit from a Xavier Collins because he's 6'5", he's 260, he can run sideline to sideline, he can clog the line of scrimmage. Johnny wants to see Xavier. But they don't, but they're so bad. So, but if they lose this game, I, I guarantee you the fandom, the fan base, it will be because they cannot stop the run and you have this shiny new toy that was the 16th overall pick last April that's not playing. Everybody lo- can live with the warts as they continue to rack up victories. I, I, I'm not discrediting that. What I am saying is I know exactly what the Niners want to do in this game. 
And there's no reason that they're not going to be successful based on what we've seen for the first month of the season. Johnny, Johnny sounds like he was picking 17th in last year's draft, and he's really mad that he didn't get to get uh, Collins on his personal uh, team or as a toy on your shelf. I was rooting for Devontae Smith. I was rooting for one of, you know, (laughs) JC Horn, Patrick Sertain. And leading up to that draft, everything that I heard was they like this kid from Tulsa. And I'm like, well, I ain't taking another inside linebacker. These oh, kidnapped. you were hearing that leading up to the draft. I was, oh, yeah. I was oh, yeah. surprised. Yeah, we had on my the show I used to do before I joined PHNX, which is fantastic. Uh, we had a couple draft experts on the show tell us that David Collins to the Cardinals are infatuated with him. I'm like, that's smoke. They took him, and they're like, no, he's an inside backer. Because I'm like, oh, maybe they'll kick him outside. He'll rush the passer opposite Chandler Jones. Steve Kime, Dale Buchanan, Kevin Minter, uh, Hassan Reddick. Isaiah Simmons, now Zayvon Collins, is addicted to first and second round mm-hmm. inside linebackers. Mm-hmm. And yet only one of them God, that's at the end lot. of the day in Simmons is, is I think, going to be a star player. We'll see on Xavier. Well, I think we've uh, too soon forgot or too quickly forgot that the Cardinals rendered Derrick Henry basically a non-factor in week one. That's and ever since, you know, they still have found a way to win. And I think, you know, Frank was mentioning this uh, after Sunday's game against the Rams, that it was sort of this bend, don't break mentality. Something had to give. So, you know, they gave up some yards, but ultimately it didn't, um, you know, like it, it wasn't like they, you know, had no answer at all. And the Rams, Rams ran it down their throat and, and the Cardinals lost the game because of it. So as long as it doesn't become, as long as it is still a bend, don't break mentality and every, I, I'll be curious because yeah, like you said, Johnny, the 49ers, their game plan is going to be to run it down the throat. So yeah. I'll be, this will be for me, the ultimate test of the Cardinals run defense. And I, I'm that's the number one thing I'm looking forward and I'm a little scared of to see, but I'm looking forward to see how they play, uh, the, the defense plays in this game specifically for that reason. If they are still able to win and, you know, it, it's not like a, a huge glaring, this is why they lost the game. I'm yeah. going to say it's not, I'm still not that worried about it. Well, here's the difference between last year, especially when they played the Niners. The offense was not clicking. Robert Salas shut this offense down. So it was magnified. So when the Niners did score, Cardinals couldn't do anything. Whereas now I think the teams that they're playing certainly feel the pressure to go shot for shot with Kyler Murray, which means throwing the football. And so as long as the offense can keep this up, I I think teams are going to be more likely to say, we got to scrap the run. We got to throw the football. Sorry about that. Um, I was going to say what Cheerson said, I think, is is very true, too, uh, as far as the game plan against the Rams was it felt like it was to stop the pass to the point where I, I think it, it disrupted Sean McVay enough that that it led to that lack of success for them overall. Yes, they gave up those those runs, but really their focus was the passing offense of the Rams mm-hmm. and what they could do. And it, that even showed in the red zone when McVay didn't know what to do, even though he was able to get five yards at a time uh, rushing it straight down the middle. They still went to other plays when they were in the red zone to try to score touchdowns. Uh, they, it seemed like the Cardinals definitely knew what to expect out of them and, and game plan for it. If they can adapt and and stop the run and completely render the 49ers offense useless in, in this game, then I, I will, I will give them even more credit than I currently give them for being uh, a well-coached team. And maybe Frank and I will go get those matching Cliff Kingsbury tattoos that we're talking about getting. <laughs> You're in on that too, Derek. Okay, we're, we're getting matching tattoos. That's for sure. I, I think we should get like a playing card and it should be a king of, of maybe uh maybe king of clubs. I don't know, uh, but it should be Cliff. And that's going to be the tattoo. I don't know. We'll see whatever Frank wants to do. Well, when you take a look at this matchup this weekend, um, I feel like it, is also a game that's intimidating for for reasons that the Niners are by far the more desperate team. Mm-hmm. They're in danger of losing their third straight game and really dropping completely out of the race. Uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, whether he plays or not, you know, they've been – I keep wanting to say getting shit on. I'll just say it. I was trying to figure out a different way to say it. <laughs> There, he's not having a good season. Kyle no. Shanahan is, is having, by all accounts, a poor season. And what yeah. some people fail to recognize is 
he does not report to John Lynch, their general manager. Kyle Shanahan reports to Jed York, who owns the San Francisco 49ers. Kyle Shanahan has a 10-year contract with that franchise and got to handpick his quarterback. And so when you trade three first-round picks for a quarterback and subsequently don't start him to begin the year and your quarterback stinks, and then you tell everybody, well, you know, Trey Lance isn't ready, and you decided not to go with Mac Jones or Justin Fields, what does that say about you? If you're trying to win games right now, then by all accounts, going with a rookie wasn't the plan anyway. I think that that franchise, I have respect for them. They came into the season with so much arrogance after last season being a sub-500 team finishing last in this division. And I know players got hurt. Everybody has hurt players. Then coming into this season and thinking, well, we're Super Bowl contenders, but we also have the worst quarterback situation in the NFC West, and we can transition on the fly because once upon a time we did it with Alex Smith and Kaepernick. That, that, that is not how the NFL works. That's an outlier situation, and I think their Super Bowl run in 2019 was an outlier. They won it with – or they got there with uh, a running game and defense and a defensive coordinator that's gone and DeForest Buckner yep. who's gone. To yep. me, they're a shell of what they are. I still think Shanahan is a good play caller, but by all accounts is the CEO of this franchise reporting to Jed York, making all these personnel moves. They, they fumbled so many instances. I mean – they were going after Deshaun Watson. They wanted Deshaun Watson. I, I think it's scary to think about. He probably would have ended up there had the allegations not come out. So they pivoted and they sacrificed for this guy who played one double A football. And now they think well, we're going to win the NFC West. You had the by far the worst quarterback. It's quarterback league. So yeah, I, I, they have really good players. They have blue chip players, and their roster is very comparable to Arizona's, except for the most important position. This game, though, in my opinion, is the difference between, all right, this season's, you know, just going down the drain or, okay, all right, we beat the Cardinals, huge win. There's still some life. I know it's early on to even sure. make those comments, but, uh, you know, you already lost to the Seahawks. Now you lose to the Cardinals. You've lost three straight. I mean, it would be really hard. And then it, all the other stuff that they're dealing with with the quarterback situation, injuries that everybody deals with, but they've certainly got them. Uh, and just a lot of noise right now. Um, I just think that this is such a big game for the Niners. And so I think that, you know, they're going to put up a fight. Yep. And no it's doubt. like the Cardinals lot. We keep hearing it the last like few weeks, especially Kyler. He's been, he said last year, I don't think we've been able, we would have been able to win that last year. I don't think we would have been able to accomplish that, whether it's a goal line stand or, whatever the case is, um, you consistently hear that out of Kyler Murray. And this is a game, if they're able to win it, you could also say this was a game that last year we weren't able to win. 100%. Yep, this absolutely. is Detroit last year. This is Carolina. This is New England. I, I, I do think there will be some retribution. And I, if I have an opportunity to ask Cliff on Sunday, I will. Did any, did any of the motivation pertain, pertaining to this game and subsequent win come from last year? He already said they, they knocked them out of the playoffs. They missed the playoffs because they lost at home on primetime, Amazon Prime, yeah. C.J. Beathard when the Niners <laughs> had nothing to play for. The Niners oh. got kicked out in that game of San Francisco. They could not play football in the state of California because of the pandemic rules, so they had to come live in Arizona. That's and right. They had a bunch of BNC players, and they embarrassed the Cardinals. And so – I, I hope Cliff and, and company are able to harness that because I, I certainly haven't forgot about it. I know Cheerson hasn't. <laughs> so you're not you're not supposed to in traditional media, you're not supposed to like show favoritism, emotion, bias, fandom, like whatever you want to call it. But I'll have to I'll have to tweet it out or or something, like because I still have the sports cast. I was I looked so pissed. And my words, like I, like I didn't hold back either. I, I actually watched it back today. Like you could see the anger. I had like this cold look on my face, and I was like ripping them apart in the sports cast. I'll have to, I'll have to tweet it out or something. Like you, you guys, we need to see that. It. So yeah. when you yeah. were talking about like local town council, you were pissed off about the Cardinal result. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, it reminds um, me. It reminds me in the press box at the card at the D-backs game where I can't cheer or anything. So like that part of me has died. But the only time I would actually get angry was 
when something dramatically changed my article in the ninth inning and people would think I was actually getting mad about the team. Like the Diamondbacks were up and then they blew it in the ninth. No, it's because you have no, to no, rewrite no. your article. No. It was already written. I have, I have so much tone to change in this. The entire tone <laughs> is win. You know how hard it is to get a winning tone into a, yeah. out of a losing article? It's all, it's all done. Stupid article now. So yeah, that's all I got mad about. Well, I thought this was interesting. So Kyler Murray is the favorite to win league MVP. Cliff Kingsbury on the DraftKings Sportsbook app is actually uh, third right now. Hey um, now. Chargers, Chargers head coach Brandon Staley plus 800, Sean McVay plus 1,000, and Kingsbury plus 1,200. Let me tell you right now, looking at that, Vic Fangio is getting fired. Plus 1,400. Yep. That division <laughs> is a nightmare. I, I feel for our DMVR brothers and sisters. Yeah. Big fan. I think that three and zero start was a mirage. I think Vic Fangio's getting fired. Um, I'm I'm just happy I took Kyler Murray at plus a thousand for MVP now because things are looking pretty good on that bet. Cliff, man, things change quickly in this league. Can he sustain it? Yeah. I just think that's interesting that he might like the odds would be like so different than than Kyler's because I feel like their success kind of goes hand in hand but I don't know I just found it interesting it's that giving credit though right I mean Kyler gets the credit right now everybody talks about how exciting he is the plays he's making the comparisons to Russell Wilson but being better and more athletic are kind of wild to me but I mean I you could say they're pretty true I, I I will say the one thing I like about both of them is how mobile they are but that they use their mobility to still be quarterbacks. Right. Uh, but yeah, it really comes down to if cliff gets that credit and I, I'm not sure if anybody, if, if some people are willing to move past thinking he's still a college quarterback to give him that credit. Most people coming into this season that were outside of this organization, this fan base, the Valley view, uh, viewed cliff as, um, an indictment on this franchise and that Kyler Murray succeeded despite of him. Uh, we don't think that. And I think nationally now that narrative is starting to change a little bit. But it is 100% bona fide the reason that they've got a top 12 roster and they've got one of the best quarterbacks in the division and they were picked dead last because of Cliff Kingsbury. Fair or not. And we talked about it, Cheerson, for weeks on end leading up to the season. Cliff got it together. They, they had an opportunity to really compete and surprise people. And that's exactly what's happened. Well, if you want to get in on the betting, well, we hope you'll download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code PHNX when you sign up. As always, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And the best thing about it, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Johnny, take it away. Hey, you know what, Derek? I don't know if you've checked out my portrait here, but I've been utilizing Manscape, manscape.com, promo code PHNX. I got free shipping. I get nice. 20% off site-wide. The Lawnmower 4.0. I mean, I know I've got this hat on, but I've tried to make this, you know, as camera-ready as possible for our viewers on oh, Twitter yeah. in America, all across this nation as I'm getting tailored up for our shows, our live streams. They also have this phenomenal body wash. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. My my wife certainly likes it. That's at manscaped.com, promo code PHNX, free shipping site-wide, 20% off. Get to manscaped.com. Get tailored up so you can look like your boy here. Looking slick, by the way. Thanks and you guys are so wholesome compared to the <laughs> other degenerates on this network. So I'm proud of you. Thank you. We keep it wholesome here on the PHNX Cardinals <laughs> podcast. As long as I'm the host, it will be a wholesome show, okay? Here's the demand that I smell okay and then I'm yes. I'm not allowed on the show. I, I know. She was very complimentary of the way we all smelled the other day, so that Excellent. warmed my heart. I was glad I didn't break any of her rules. Making but yeah, absolutely. All right, Derek, you got to get to the to the Mercury game that's yes. off at 7, right? Yes, I have that to get on to, and I'm excited because our ladies are going to go on uh, – the NBA uh, WNBA finals tonight, hopefully. Well, we've got we've got the Bird Gang Blitz mailbag to to finish up with. So I'm gonna give you an option here. A, we can quickly run through these, or B, we'll let you get out of here and Johnny and I can wrap up this last segment by ourselves. You, I will take off. You guys handle the mail, and I know uh I'm not I, I let's be honest, I'm not gonna in, give any input here on any of this stuff. I'm just gonna scream, go Cardinals. Uh they're awesome, they're gonna go undefeated and all sorts of other ridiculous stuff. But we'll get some uh, reps on that bench press right there. Oh, yeah. No, it's that's oh decorative. It's decorative. Don't even worry about it. That's not. <laughs> not that's why my like stuff's hanging on it. But thank you guys for letting me be a part of it, and I look forward to coming back we'll soon. Have you back soon. All Go right. Mercury. Go Mercury.
No Mercury. Okay, it's just it's us. us. We've got the Burr Gang Blitz mailbag, Johnny, and I think we've got four questions for, from our awesome viewers here. Okay, so first one is, when is Steve Kahn going to get his flowers? He has gotten us Kyler, Buddha, Chandler, Hop, Simmons, Byron, Jalen T, J.J. Watt, Rodney Hudson, D.J. Humphreys, Chase Kirk, Rondell, Josh Jones, A.J. Green, and so on. He named half the roster in that one. Uh, <laughs> pretty pumped about it. But when you take a look at those names in that list, and that's why I made sure I, I you know, read through his entire question. Obviously, it was more so a um, – wasn't really a serious question there, but he's given credit when you take a look at, at that list and you read those yeah. names out loud. Um, you know, Got to give Steve Kime some credit for sure. So I've, I've noticed a pattern. It's a little bit concerning. So Steve Kime, this is his ninth year as the Cardinal general manager. His first three years, 2013 to 2015, spot on with personnel acquisitions. Carson Palmer, John Brown, Tyron Matthew, DJ Humphreys, Marcus Golden. And then he had a big time dip from 2016 to 2018. Uh, that was Josh Rosen. That was Sam Bradford, Robert Kimbichi. And then in the last three years, Kyler Murray, Byron Murphy, all those great players that that you just mentioned on there. So I'm hoping that we're not exiting another three-year peak and they go on a three-year downturn, but I'm with you. I think that things go the way that we think they're going. Steve Kimes is going to get his flowers in the form of a fat contract extension. He and Cliff will be taken care of nicely. Uh, Michael Bidwell and Steve Kime are incredibly close. I think that's why a lot of people are frustrated that he – for whatever reason, wasn't replaced after Steve Wilkes, after Bruce Arians left. He's been within this organization for almost 30 years. He was here before he became GM. He worked his way up when Rod Graves was the general manager. He was hired from within. He is well-respected amongst league circles. And his best attribute, we know this, Jerston, is the acquisition of talent free agency. I mean, scoring the likes of Chandler Jones and DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, there are other, other franchises that are able to pull that off. And now... What you're seeing is he's finally gotten back to basics in the draft. I mean, that 2019 draft, when you've got Kyler Murray and Byron Murphy as your first two picks, that's an A-plus draft. I don't care about the rest of the players. If you're finding two Pro Bowl players in, in a given draft, that's house money. So kudos to Steve Kime, and you know what he'll do midseason. He'll, he'll, he'll make this team better. You cannot – those his critics out there can fault him for a lot of things, but he is always aggressive, and that's all you can ask for. Yeah, aggressive. And the biggest risk that he took was was hiring Cliff and was drafting Kyler after Rosen. I mean, those two those two moves um, that was that was that easily could have blown up in his face. And I'll I'll never forget last year I was on a and I'm not I won't give a name or even I won't even give the city that it was, but it was Cardinals opponent. Um, it was a radio show that was yeah. in their opponent's city, and so I was on the show last year and like one of the first things they asked about was josh rosen and what happened i was like people are still talking about this like nationally like that's a big deal nationally i'm like this is what you're talking about really and they're like well they wanted to know like what happened and you know and was just they were stuck on josh rosen i'm like josh josh rosen is on you know miami's practice squad right now obviously a lot of things went wrong with that one um but i think just the people just couldn't get past the fact that you know you draft Josh Rosen and a year later with your first number one overall pick, you get, you know, another quarterback. So uh, Steve Kime got a lot of flack for that locally and nationally um, yeah. took a chance on it. And it's right now it's starting to pay off. And then obviously the other, all the other ones that you just named uh, starting to pay off as well. So uh, you, you mentioned it, you feel like it's up to Steve Kime right now to go out and get a defensive tackle at some point this season. Yep. He's able to do that. Kudos to him. That's, you know, that's going to put the Cardinals in a position to not only make the playoffs, but potentially make a long, uh, deep run in the playoffs. So um, I got to give credit to him. Uh, it was a bold move. Uh, he's made a lot of bold moves. He's a I fun guess. GM to follow. Like in the draft, they trade up. They're always active in free agency. Yep. He takes a lot of swings. There are a lot of franchises in the NFL and in sports in general that play it safe. And the Cardinals, with him in charge, they've had some highs and they've had some lows. But right now, it looks like they're on the upswing because, in large part, the decisions he's making. 
All right, next question. Does it concern you at all that the Cardinals' run defense has been the weak point and they're playing two back-to-back really good run offenses? Yes. Yes, Machado, it does. Very concerned. Oh, yeah, sorry, I didn't give it. Did I give the other person credit for that? The first one so. was uh, KS season 2021. K1 season, yep. Oh, K1 season? K one season, my guy, twenty twenty one. K one season. I think his 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 actual at name and his name oh, are okay. two different things. But anyway, okay, all right. And then the other one was Machado. Machado's great. Uh, Machado was at the Rams game last week, tweeting out photos of PHNX, giving the the, the business to Rams fans. We love oh, it. Oh, that's the same guy. Thank you He's so much. Great. That was awesome. But yes, to answer your question, Machado, I'm very concerned, especially with Cleveland on the road in two weeks with a much better roster and, and a better quarterback right now. Um, but that's not to say they can't step up like they did in week one. Um, and I think that hopefully they'll prioritize it. I think there's something to be said, especially last week, the Rams aren't a great running team. And so they, they put all their eggs in, in the basket of, okay, we're going to play six defensive backs because you're going to spread us out with Brandon or uh, Robert Woods, Van Jefferson, and of course, Cooper Cup and the tight end. And we'll give you the three to five yards per carry. They know what these next two weeks are going to look like. Play action, boots, uh, especially with Baker Mayfield. Their offensive line is a plus O-line. So hopefully Vance is ready. And he typically makes nice halftime adjustments. Uh, I'm much more confident this week than next week at Cleveland, however. I think we're really going to see what this this defense is made of. It's yeah. in particular the, what they're able to do with a run defense uh, on Sunday. So I'm not too worried about it at the moment. And I said that earlier, not too concerned about it at the moment. I will be concerned for sure if it becomes a glaring issue this weekend. And we know, we know, we already know that that's what they're going to try and do is run the ball. So um, if we know that and they're game planning for it and, you know, it becomes an issue, then we'll go from there. All right. Next question. Uh, do you think Kaim regrets naming Zayvon Collins the starter to start the season? And what are the chances he'll make an impact this season? So yeah, that kind of goes back to, and that's from, well, I don't even know if, do you want to attempt that name, Johnny? Tiburon. Let's go with that. Thank you. Might be wrong, but we tried our best. It goes back to what I was saying earlier though, about I'm wondering how that conversation is playing out between Vance Joseph and Steve Kaim, because he, he, he put himself on on the Mm -hmm. line during you know, during draft day in the entire offseason uh, camp, every, I mean, he stuck to that storyline that Zayvon Collins was the guy. So um, he might regret it. I don't know. Here's what I will say. I will give Kime a pass for drafting Zayvon Collins for this year. This is a make or break season. And leading up to that draft, I was like, you got to get somebody at 16 that's going to play right away. You can't redshirt any more people. You got to win this year. Well, they're winning despite him not playing. That draft, that was the pandemic draft. That was the most accurate top 10 in recent memory. It was the most telegraphed draft because of the pandemic and everybody knew who the top players were. There were like no surprises. So when they got to pick 16, the board was picked clean. Zabin was by and large one of, if not the best player available. So yeah, they, they might've been able to trade down. They made a bounty in rounds two and in rounds four with Rodney Moore and, and Marco Wilson. Those guys are playing right now. So you're getting contributions in your draft class, just not your first round pick. Everyone knows Saving Collins is going to play eventually and he'll, he'll be fine. But that's a good question. I would think that at some point this season, he'll have his Isaiah Simmons, you know, interception playing in Seattle in overtime, something like that will happen. Uh, and who knows? I mean, knock on wood, you know, if a guy gets injured, he's the next man up anyway. So you can never have too much depth, but yeah, right now they're going to ride this hot hand. Yep, I agree. You said it perfectly. Last question. How can the run defense be fixed midseason? Getting wow. gashed. Okay, so a lot of concerns about the run defense. And I mean, I would say uh, for sure bringing in somebody else, but that's, you know, easier said than done. Yeah. Uh, they need to play better uh, and they need to have do your their, job. Yeah. They need to have one of their young defensive tackles. Step up, Rashad Lawrence, Lecky Fotu. But the problem with that to me is like, those those were fourth round picks. Day three picks in the draft, those are lottery tickets. Like you get anything from them, that's that's house money. That's why what Marco Wilson's doing is fantastic. Zach Allen to me has to be better. J.J. Watt, 
I mean, by all accounts, I think could be playing better. And a lot of people think his sacks are going to come now in bunches because he has been so close. But as far as the run defense goes, you can go out and get a run-stuffing defensive lineman for relatively cheap for a six or seven throwaway pick. When a team is out of it, when a team is five, six, seven games under 500, they're looking to shed money. They're looking to recoup assets. They're going to send a, a defensive tackle this way. So I, I think that's what ends up happening. Um, but who knows? The Jordan Phillips thing, I get questions all the time. I'm sure you do too, Cheerson, about his status. I do not expect him to play this year. I just don't. I don't think he's going to be active. I think that there's something going on internally. It's, in my opinion, not an injury. Kingsbury is like, it's week to week. What's week to week? It's not his, week to week. His status? He's not going to play. So to me, it just signifies that that's a position next offseason they'll prioritize. I hate not knowing that information. I just well, I feel mean, like if they if there was an injury, they would say, okay, he's got a knee or he's got a hamstring, right. hamstring, but you can't lie on the injury report. So they just put him on IR and they're just leaving him there. Dennis Gardet couldn't get back fast enough and they activated him. Jordan Phillips, who's making like $11 million, is MIA. One quick note, Dennis Gardak uh, was a full go at practice today, so that's good. Mm, nice. Yeah. And I refrain now from talking about the injury report on Wednesdays because it's too long of a today. list. <laughs> and People, was, people were freaking out today. No, don't freak out. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Wait till Friday. Yeah. If that list doesn't change on Friday, okay, freak out. But I, I've, I've learned my lesson about even touching the injury report on a Wednesday. That's fair. Totally fair. Totally justified. <laughs> All right, Johnny. It was fun once again. See you on Friday. See you on Friday. Bye, everybody. <laughs>